help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Peace of Christ be with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with each other. We're called to worship with the words of Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path where sinners tread. Happy are those whose delight is in the Lord, who meditate in the word of God both night and day. They are like trees planted by streams of water. O Lord, we are here today to seek your delight, that we might be rooted in your will. Come, let us worship the Lord. communities, whether they are families, workplaces, schools, or dorms, our sin can mess up lines of communication, taint our best motivated good deeds, and twist our most well-intentioned words. This is why we confess our sin, to clear the air, to clean the path, and get back on track again. So let us pray. Loving God, As we walk with each other on the path of discipleship, we confess that we argue and bicker. Forgive us when we are distracted by concerns that keep us from hearing your teaching. We seek our own glory and privilege, even as you call us to service and sacrifice. Forgive us for seeking to be first. Call us again to be your servants, and teach us to welcome one another as you welcome all. John writes, If we confess our sin, God is not only faithful and just to forgive us our sin, but to also cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, and so let us live. As we come to the word of God, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our word, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever.
Our first lesson comes from Psalm 1. The psalmist describes the life of a righteous person. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Jesus deals here with leadership rank in the kingdom of God. Hear now the word of God. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. An amazing movement in this text from something extremely very heavy to something even more significant. I could very easily have chosen to focus on the last part of this text and preach a very sentimental sermon about how all of us should be as little children. But this text has something much more significant to say. On this journey back from Gentile territory, they are passing through Galilee and coming to Capernaum, and Jesus is avoiding the crowds in order to, to, do, to work with the disciples. And he is explaining to them what is going to happen at some point in the future. Explaining the role or the work or the events that are going to display to the world the fact that he, Jesus of Nazareth, is in fact the Messiah. Now, what is interesting about it is that after he's done explaining all of that, they are afraid to ask him any questions about it. Because in the past several weeks of passages, Jesus has become a little bit edgy with them. He's become a little bit um, uncharacteristically honest 
about his displeasure with their lack of understanding. And so, rightly so, they're afraid to ask. They don't ask, and when they get to Capernaum, Jesus turns to them and asks them a question, pretending like he doesn't know. And one more time, their response is silence. Now, you remember when you were in the second grade, perhaps you had my teacher. Her name was Mrs. Spory, and she carried a wooden ruler, and her golden rule in the classroom was silence is golden. Remember that? Yeah. Grandmas like to have that phrase around as well. <clears throat> it was also the phrase most used at our dinner table when I was a child. Silence is golden. Children are to be seen and not... Mm -hmm. They were silent because on the way, what had they been discussing? Mm -hmm. Who was the greatest among them? Now, how much more childish can we get? Here's the Messiah. They've been traveling with this gentleman for how many years now? And they've been listening to the sermons, and all of a sudden, he says to them, this is what's going to happen. This is how serious this mission is going to become. And they begin to argue about who's the greatest in the kingdom, not necessarily because they want to establish a pecking order, but they've already figured out that if Jesus is going to go away, what's going to happen? Bingo! Somebody's got to take over the movement. These are, these are good Jewish fishermen. They've figured this out. You know, they've, they've, got, a, they've got a tax collector among them. I mean, come on. They, they're strategizing here, folks. On the trip, they're saying, which one of us is going to take over when Jesus leaves? And so, obviously, they don't want to discuss with Jesus what they've been talking about because they've taken for granted he's on his way out. And they're uncomfortable saying that out loud. So, he begins by teaching them a much more significant thing, for them at least, at this point in their lives. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and servant of all. You see, this Messiah is not going to come in like a lion and go out like a lamb. This Messiah is going to come in like a lamb and remain a lamb. This Messiah is going to submit to the, to the slaying of other human beings in order to prove the love of God in undoing the curse of sin. And he's going to demonstrate that the way this kingdom of God, the way this work of God, the way this rule of God is going to work from now on has nothing to do with to whom you are born, your birth order, or your age, or your wisdom. It's going to have to do with what? Service. Humility. And then he seals the deal by taking the most significant of all the disciples and making him his successor. Is that what the text says? 
course not. He takes a child. He places the child in their midst. Then he takes the child in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Why? Why a child? Does God expect us all to become children? Does God expect somehow or other for all of us to become immature? Does God expect all of us to somehow be so dependent on God that we can't decide anything and we have to be like children, be guided, be directed? What is he up to here? What is, why the child in the midst of the disciples? Because the child helps them to understand that it is only those who are vulnerable enough to serve. To not be concerned about who's going to be first in line. To simply be a dependent person, an open person, a vulnerable person. And what's significant about what Jesus does is he not only says that as such is the kingdom of God like he does in the other gospels, but in Mark's gospel he says, and if you welcome such one as, such as this, you welcome not only me, but he who sent me. Who are the children in our culture today? Who are those that are, as the child was in Jesus' day, marginalized? Who are the people that don't belong? That aren't respected? Who are the people that somehow we, in our minds, disqualify because they're not like us? Those are the people, Jesus says, we need to be aware of. Because those are the people with whom God will deal. And God will reveal the kingdom. When it comes to a congregation like ours, we are small, and we are in many ways a family church. And so we know each other rather well, in some cases, and in some cases don't know much at all about each other. But what I was doing this past week was going around in my mind, typically where everyone seems to sit uh, on a regular basis, and began to say to myself, how does that person serve? And what was amazing to me was that there were very, very few who I couldn't nail down real, very quickly and specifically, this is what he or she does to serve. And that made me feel very good about us as a congregation. But I will admit this to you. In the first couple of months that I was here, um, I was very uncomfortable with a title that was given me. I suspect it was because it was what his dad taught him, but Curly would always address me as Domine. And for the first couple of months, I really, I really didn't know how to take that. Because you see, Domine has the old world idea that the preacher is the bishop, and when the preacher speaks, God speaks, and you better jump. And I think after four years, you know that that's not who I am in any way, shape, or form. And, and I have to admit to you that it scared me. 
It scared me because I thought perhaps if that was the expectation, I was going to be a big disappointment. But you see, one of the things that I know about who I am as a person is that I lead by modeling what I want from folks. I do not tell them, I do not instruct them until they see what I want and follow the model. I believe that that's the leadership style that Jesus instills in the disciples in this text. That servant leadership is not about being directionless. It's not about not taking the bull by the horns. It's about helping people by showing them, by living out what they need to do or how they need to be in order for them to see it. In this text, Jesus is reminding these disciples that when he's gone, every time they see a child, they'll remember this event. They will remember this event and they will ask themselves in their heart and minds, who is the greatest among us? The one who is most humble and serves. In today's world, it is important for us as postmodern Christians to ask the same kind of question. Who is the greatest among us as Christians? Is it the one who has the most money and the biggest ministry on television? Is it the one who has the most respect and visits the White House the most often? Is it the one who somehow has the notoriety one minute? Or is it the individual Christian who day by day, moment by moment, serves, loves, cares about, ministers to, prays for, and is concerned about those who are not like us, those who are perhaps part of our lives, but not necessarily part of our circle of faith. That is where Christ wants us to be as disciples. Always aware of not so much the people who are in the circle of discipleship, but aware of the people who are on the margins of it, outside of it. Because this kingdom of God is not about ruling over people's lives in the same way that God ruled over Israel. It is now about a rule that is guided by love and freedom and grace. A rule that is now demonstrated not by power or prestige or position, but by service, by humility. Let us be a people of God's kingdom. Let us be who we were called to be. And may God's spirit give us grace to do so today and throughout our lives. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and all-powerful God, you have chosen to reveal to us in Jesus Christ something very, very different, almost scandalous, and that is that while there is great power 
in your name. It is only in service to each other, in love of each other, that your love is demonstrated to us. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for helping us to understand this call that you have made to upon our lives. As you were the Messiah, so you have asked us to be your servants, to be anointed ones serving you in our world. Give us this grace, we pray, through him who is our Savior. Amen. Using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together confessing, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to Part of our worship is to return to God a portion of the blessings that God has poured upon us. And so we take up tithes and gifts and offerings at this time to the glory of God and the service of Christ's church.
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our work of worship, our humble service, is to pray for each other, to intercede as Christ continually intercedes before the Father. And so we have this time of prayers of God's people for you to share things that are on your heart and mind that you would like us to be aware of and to pray for, uh, joys, thanksgivings, um, answers to prayer that God has given in past weeks or, or months that you would like to share as well. Before the service uh, this morning, um, I had a conversation, a short conversation with, with Nelson, and he asked me to share that um, his son's fiance uh, was recently diagnosed with uh, cancer, and it has... Uh, it has grown. It has spread throughout her body. And he asked us to pray for his uh, son's fiance, whose name is Lou, L-U, short for Lucia. Lord, in your mercy. Yes, we are glad she's getting better. She keeps reminding me she's not 100% yet, but I, I, I think the fact that she's doing as well as she is is great. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Ah, 90 years old. Richard. Extend our congratulations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Join me as we, uh, as we do our work of worship together before the throne of God. Almighty God, we thank you for the privilege and the possibility of our opening up our hearts and lives before you. We have shared things on our hearts and minds that are of significance to us and to those that we love and care for. There are other issues, however, and other things in our world that we're quite aware of and want to bring to you as well. We remember, O oh Lord, the circumstances of conflict around the world, places especially like the Middle East, Egypt, Libya, Liberia, Lebanon, Syria. All of this region, Lord, unrest and, and the disquiet to the hearts and lives of those families and Christians who live there. We ask you, O oh Lord, to watch over and to care for them and to bring peace to this region somehow, in some way. We pray this morning, Lord, for those who are getting out of prison and have no one to be their network, nowhere to go, no one to hire them to work, for those who struggle with making ends meet and trying to find a life after some time in incarceration. We ask, Lord God, that you would serve them through us and enable uh, men and women who are in these conditions to find those who would care for them and help them. We pray likewise this morning, O Lord, for those men and women who serve us as in the military abroad, 
around the world. And we ask, Lord God, that you would be with them, protect them, and keep them safe. Be with families who mourn uh, the death of their loved ones from this past week's attack on the embassy. And we ask, Lord God, that their families, likewise, would be protected and cared for in their absence. We thank you for the leadership of our churches and ask, Lord God, that as we look to this Wednesday night's meeting of classes, uh, you would indeed be leading and guiding and directing all the men and women who are involved in the leadership of our church in a regional and, and national level. We ask, Lord God, uh, for your guidance and direction as a congregation and your blessing upon us as we continue our life of work and prayer, praying as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There are lots of announcements in your bulletin. I would like to invite everyone who is visiting with us today to join us for coffee hour immediately after the service in our lounge and remind the uh, contramans uh, to join the elders in the choir room. Uh, get a cup of coffee and some goodies and meet us there. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll meet briefly in the choir room for the interviews with the elders and then we'll call it a day and look forward to our celebration on October 7th. Um, I want to thank two people again today, Tom and Kathleen, for their work with the hot dog days last week and I also, uh, she's gone now, but I want to express thanks to Phyllis and Alice. Both of them helped yesterday in, in organizing the students in the cleaning crews and spent that time here with them. So I want to publicly thank them for that ministry as well. Uh, also, I don't know that everyone knows this, but uh, Jackie and Martha and I think uh, Helen have been uh, kind of behind the scenes working at the thrift shop. And I think we need to be grateful and thankful to them publicly for what they've been doing uh, for our congregation as well. Are there any other announcements that didn't make the bulletin that you would like to share? Not hearing any, let us join in singing hymn number 364, I Sing a Song of the Saints of God. A long time ago now, an abbot was struggling with a monastic community that was in disarray. They were fighting. They were not being able to meet any of their goals. They thought everybody was trying to get at them, and they were suspicious of everything and everyone. And the abbot went to the pub to clear his mind. And at the pub, he met a rabbi from the com community, and the rabbi said, Abbot, I have something that God has told me. And the abbot said, What is it, Rabbi? One of the people in your community is the Messiah. The abbot sat there and quiet, didn't know what to say. Very quickly, Rose went back to the abbot 
to the abbey and said to all of the monks at prayer that evening, God has revealed that one of you is the Messiah. Two weeks later, the abbot came pouncing into the pub, celebrating, saying, everybody can have a free mug on me. And the rabbi, sitting at the back table, said, Abbot, what makes for the celebration? You wouldn't believe it. He said, my monastery's like heaven on earth. And the rabbi said, did they figure out which one it is? And the abbot said, I haven't told them yet. If we live like one of us is the Messiah, how different would it be? Thinking about that, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us into this world. Now until Christ comes and then forever and all of God's people said,